Welcome to an edition of Thinking Like a Lawyer, a special edition because I'm Joe Patrice from Bub Law, of course. Uh, I am not joined by any of our regular panelists because uh, I'm on location. I'm here in Nashville, Tennessee, sort of. I guess that's not really fair. We're in the we're in the Grand Ole Opry area, which if anyone knows the area around Tennessee is not actually really close to Nashville, but is technically Nashville. I am here at the Clio Cloud Conference, so we decided to do a quick check-in of what's going on here, at, and I was thankfully joined by some of my compatriots from the Legal Tech Week Journalist Roundtable that I'm on. I have Stephanie Wilkins, the Editor-in-Chief of Legal Tech News. Hi, Joe. Hi. Uh, and Bob Ambrogi from Law Next and the Legal Tech Week Journalist Roundtable, of course. And is it do, do I go with Law Next or Law Sites? What, what, how do I do that, really? Whatever you want. Whatever. Law, lawnext.com is good. Lawnext.com. Yeah, that's how you, yeah. So, great. And uh, we're also joined by uh, Lawrence Coletti, who's our producer here. And you got anything to say from, from the Legal Talk Network? I've been having a good time. Uh, I did get lost a couple times at the hotel. And it was uh, a little scary at first, but I did find my way through. But there's rivers and boats and all kinds of weirdness oh under my. one roof. No, th this hotel is ridiculous. Uh, if you've not been here before, it's uh, it's big and confusing and awful. But there's a lot of conventions here, so I've actually mastered it over the years. I'm, I'm worried I, that I'm starting to get used to it, and I don't yeah, know what that right? says about me. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think if you only got lost a couple of times, that's a success. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, they, so we're kind of having a media, we're in the media room at this conference. We thought we would uh, have some chats about some of the key things that we've seen here, some crucial technology that's come up uh, as we've been talking to Clio. So I guess let's just kind of, there's no real agenda on this show if you're not, uh, not a regular listener. So let's <laughs> just uh, start chatting about the, basically take the conversations we've been having in this room for the last several minutes and uh, record them. Uh, so, Stephanie, you, what's interesting? What's new? What's fun? I mean, AI, right? That's I, I'm a, I'm, I'm the AI person. Yeah, so it's a big AI moment. Yes. That said, I mean, they they released you know Clio Duo, which is mm -hmm. their new Gen AI powered legal assistant tool and more into the Clio platform, and it's actually really cool. I know you and I yesterday got a demo of it, and it's it really is impressive. I mean, I think it's going to be a a great benefit for their customers. My takeaway on it was, I don't know what anyone else thought. I, I thought it was very simple and straightforward, yes. but that, that was actually what was good about it. it. Like, It's not like promising the moon to anybody. It's right. like it makes bills for you, learns how you like your bills set up and does that for you. Like it's, it's stuff like that. But I mean, that's a, that's a lot of annoying lawyer work, right? But it's also like, oh, I'm about to have this meeting with a person and I remind me again who they are and it gives you a paragraph. Like it... I think simple is great. People yeah. think simple is a bad word. I think that's the best compliment a technology can get. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's interesting because of all for all the hype around generative AI, the most interesting applications we've seen so far are the sort of simple things. It just yeah. make your daily life a little better, a little bit easier, a little quicker, or something like that. And that's yeah. I haven't seen even the demo yet of Cleodo. I've only read what they've said and heard Jack talk about it. But that seems to be the focus of it so far. And I keep going back to one feature, which is literally just highlighting. Yeah. But they, they employed highlighting in a way. So if you generate, if it gen, it Jenny AI generates a document for you, and we always say, we harp on you, it needs human oversight. It highlights the things that you need to look at. It's just so simple, but so perfect. Because like if you're telling people they have to look everything over, but giving them no guidance of what they have to look over, this does it for you. And it's little things like that that make a huge difference and are so user-friendly. So to try and explain what she's talking about here, I, I'm 
if I can. I, it, so it would be like if you said, hey, write a demand letter in a case that's a copyright infringement involving this person or this person. It will spit out a letter based on templates that uh, you've given it. But the highlighting is it only will highlight the parts where the AI has decided to make a change. Uh, so you presumably you trust your template otherwise and so you don't have to read everything because it'll leave that normal and it'll just highlight what's been replaced which yeah it's time saving you know yeah such a simple i'm sure it wasn't simple on the programming end but such a simple little addition that shows they're really thinking about the user i did i did talk i don't know if you guys have talked to jonathan watson who's their chief technology officer and i asked him about kind of the future and where this is all going and He's, he's clearly very enthusiastic about the potential for this to become a really core element of every aspect of, of Clio products in a, in a maybe more dramatic way, in a bigger way down the road. But, but that's down the road. I mean, we're still early in all of this. It was interesting. Uh, and well, I will also say, uh, as somebody who goes to a lot of these conferences, I, anyone who's not familiar with Clio is more aimed at like small and mid to mid-sized firms. And that's kind of the, the space that they're in. Uh, so... You know, this kind of technology, a lot of the fact that it's not doing, it can do legal stuff, but a lot of what it does is the lawyer as business owner uh, mm -hmm. capabilities, which are obviously not going to land you uh, with a bunch of sanctions for using AI, so that's nice. But having gone to a lot of these conferences and heard about AI a lot over the last several months. I was very impressed and I was running a clock uh, and we got like almost an hour into the keynote before AI even came up. I was mm -hmm. super excited about that. <laughs> like, That's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, no, I was I basically had an over underline, you know. Of course, of course that was a 2-hour keynote. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think one of the uh, smart ploys they made cuz you know, obviously they're talking about some of the resistance to AI and some of the concerns and everything, but what I liked uh, at the very end they they're asking for collaboration. And I think it's a mm -hmm. smart uh, workaround. Now you're asking for collaboration by some of the people that may have some reservations with it, but now they're part of the system because they're contributing ideas. And I think I think that's pretty smart, you know, mm -hmm. come at it from a kind of a case study perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Well, and I mean, they, that's kind of where we are with this tech, right? Like it's not something that you like is like live right now, but it's something being built and it's in the active process of being built and mm -hmm. they can get their users to say, here's what I actually want it to do. Uh, to make it better. And they were very yeah. transparent with us about how they're still rolling out, they're still working on mm -hmm. it, and I really appreciate that they didn't just jump on this six months ago when, you know, a lot, plenty of people were like, oh, we just need to make some announcement that says the word AI in it, even if it means nothing, and they didn't. They took their time when they're building something useful, and even with us, they're like, well, if you think of anything between now and tomorrow, come back and give us feedback. Yeah. But it's funny how that's becoming, I, with all due respect to Claire, it's becoming like, there's these different storylines. The first storyline was, we were one of the first to get a generative AI product out. The next one storyline was, we were more deliberate and thoughtful than those who rushed to get yeah. a more generative AI storyline yeah. out. And I don't know, what's what's the next wave of that? I don't know. Like, oh. well, we've actually got a generative AI product because we we're, we're seeing oh. a lot of talk and, and, and not a lot of action around some of these things. We waited to perfect it. Yeah, <laughs> right. Okay, yeah. It's good to miss deadlines. Because, uh, yeah. yeah, we. I'm not going to name names necessarily, but we're... We're, we pushed past the deadline of several companies who said they were going to have AI ready by date certain. Right, right, yeah. right. I, and I feel like hopefully, knock on wood, we're past the phase where we were getting a lot of non-announcements from a lot of people. Yeah. Right. Yeah, like we're announcing that we plan to announce. I'm like, okay, great. We're on the cusp, <laughs> we're on the cusp now, like uh, 
we're recording this in October. So isn't it next month we get Clippy 2, as I call uh, Microsoft's product, which is just Clippy for anyone old enough? <laughs> I really, for all the Gen Xers in the house, I want them to actually have that as an option that you could return on Clippy, which is funny because I turned off Clippy with a passion when, when I you used to have it. Yeah, I'm like, oh, Clippy is so annoying. And now I'm like, oh, it's nostalgia. Can you give me an AI <laughs> Clippy? <laughs> Well, all right. Well, let's uh, take a break, and we'll be back to uh, continue chatting about other, other stuff. Calidus AI cleverly supports you by suggesting relevant law to address your complex issues. Put in simple questions or longer fact patterns, then Calidus asks you to confirm if points are salient before proceeding. Use Calidus to check if you found all the key concepts, cases, and statutes. Calidus turns that into a high-quality, customer-ready document. Handle complexity confidently with Legal's most advanced AI platform. Get $90 off your first two months. Use promo code Joe at CalidusAI.com. That's C-A-L-L-I-D-U-S-A-I.com. Hey, Guy, what's up? Just having some lunch, Conrad. Hey, Guy, do you see that billboard out there? Oh, you mean that guy out there in the gray suit? Yeah, the gray suit guy. There's uh, all those beautiful, rich, leather-bound books in the background. That is exactly the one. That's J.D. McGuffin at Law. He'll fight for you! I bet you he has got so many years of experience. Like decades and decades. And I bet, Guy, I bet he even went to a law school. Are you a lawyer? Do you suffer from dull marketing and a lack of positioning in a crowded legal marketplace? Sit down with Guy and Conrad for Lunch Hour Legal Marketing on the Legal Talk Network. Available wherever podcasts are found. Okay, so uh, we dealt with AI. What else have you seen at this show of interest, Bob? You know, I was actually interested in a couple of the other announcements. I mean, the, 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 the two other sort of big product announcements were their expansion into the product uh, personal injury space with a with an add-on for PI law and their expansion into court filing, electronic filing, which to me was actually really kind of cool because it, it's one of those lawyer daily workflow issues that practice management pu- pu- uh, platforms haven't been addressing. It's it, it's so intuitive that that should be part of a practice management platform, and yet nobody has done that up until now. It's always a separate application, a whole separate process. So, I mean, it's, it's starting out, I think it's just Texas to start with, and it's going to be rolling out over, over time. But the fact that you can go in and prepare, you know, prepare your court documents, do all your court calendaring, all of that, and then get the document filed all within a single workflow, just it's like kind of a no-brainer, it seems like. And so, yeah, you know, it, it's for lawyers who are going to go into the office tomorrow. It's going to have an immediate impact on their practices. One thing about that is I, it's an interesting move, and like not to talk about our hosts this way, but... That, that it has always been other companies who many of whom like integrate with Clio, like Clio getting into that business. Is it, you know, kind of we saw this with Clio payments pushing out law pay sort of. And yeah, is that uh, is that a, what do we think about that? I, I mean, I don't know. I'm just as kind of. Yeah, I've, I've, I've always wondered about that. I mean, Clio has built started out by building up this whole network of partners that integrate with it. It was a sort of the generic you know, and that bread and butter platform in a sense. But then if you wanted to specialize in a particular area or get a particular functionality, you bring in a, one of these partner integrations. And over the years, they've, Clio, even Clio Grow is a, encroached on what were that a number of products. I mean, 
as Clio builds out the functionality of its own platform, it's going to be stepping on some toes, basically, yeah. of its partners. Yeah. But it is impressive to me that, I mean, they are so dominant in the solo, small law firm space because they really do care. And you can tell from their customers that they're loyal and they love them. I'm surprised nobody has really stepped up to try to challenge them. Like, there's really no competition. Like, yes, they have all the partners and they all work together in the ecosystem. Right. But Clio pretty much is the go-to. I can't think of anybody else that is so broadly catering to that small market. Well, I mean, you know, my case, Practice Panther, Smokeball, I mean, there's a bunch of them out there yeah. that are, you know, they don't have, they, they don't have the market share of Clio. They don't have the money of Clio yeah. either. I mean, yeah. Clio has raised a lot of money. They've done a really good job marketing. I mean, they things like this conference. I mean, the people who come to this conference, 2,500 people at this conference are passionate about Clio as a product. They let's, love let's it. Be clear That's kind of what I meant. Yeah. Let's yeah. be clear about this passionate. So uh, they're, they're, people are running around and jumping and dancing. Like this is a, I don't want to use the word cult lightly. I've used that in my descriptions <laughs> of this show. I've used that word. <laughs> Last year cult was of my, innovation, I think I call yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There we go. Last year was my first ClioCon and it, it was my first conference of legal I'd been to at all since starting this job. And I was like, the Cleon started running in and I'm like, what did I get into? Is legal tech a cult? Like I literally was saying that. Yeah. I mean, I, I knew it was your, it was your first conference. We'd all talked about that beforehand and uh, I knew what was going to happen and I was very excited to see how you would react yeah. to it. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, mean, I mean, I, I studied cults. I'm really into cults. <laughs> so, I mean, that's not necessarily a negative thing for me, but I was like, wow. Well, like today we were, yesterday morning, Bob and I were sitting pretty much next to each other and we looked at each other. We're like, the floor is shaking yeah. from the people dancing and running. Right, right. I don't even know how to explain it. Because the other thing, I mean, yeah, we, it has to be acknowledged that Jack Newton, who's the CEO of Clio, is probably a marketing genius in a way. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think he's never trained in marketing. He's trained in computer science. He's trained in machine learning. But, but he has been the public face of this company since day one. And he has, he truly, he truly is a visionary. I mean, it's, it's an yeah. overused word, but he is somebody who really does talk about seeing the future of the profession. And, and I think that helps sell the product because people associate the product with the vision and with this idea that the legal system can be more than just a product, but, but you know, really something better and bigger. Yeah. Uh, and that's one of the way, I mean, some of the other companies just haven't had that sort of a public face to them, you know, in the same way. And I mean, it's Ki Kiwi Camera, but, you know. No. Yeah. <laughs> well, wow. in the opposite right. of that, I was going to say Jack is super charismatic. Yeah. Which, like, it just adds yeah. to it, too. Not yeah. just is he a visionary. He can present it. He has the presence and the charisma to, I mean, which also, you know. Yeah. Charisma is a word you use with cults also, but that's yeah. Part yeah. Of, that's part of it. Yeah, he's totally charismatic. But. So, uh, Kiwi, yeah, let's move past that. <laughs> I think we should talk about the uh, Legal Trends Report. That's one of my, my favorites. I and think that is a great idea. Let's, uh, let's take a break and uh, we'll close out by talking about Legal Trends. All right, so the Legal Trends Report is one thing that uh, Cleo's been doing for several years. They have a ton of Part of being a big market share for smalls and solos is they have tons of data uh, and they can their users can opt in to have their data anonymized and part of a report that shows us trends. Uh, always a highlight of the year. It's this giant report, tells you a lot of things about how the legal industry works uh, at the ground level. And uh, the, so anybody see anything fun in this year's report? Well, they had their, uh, it was the, um, 
Oh, this new accounting term in there. It was a uh, lockup. Lock lock yeah. Was it lockup? I think it was lockup. Lockup. Yeah, and uh, talking about how much money is is uh, basically locked up in your accounts receivable. And uh, uh, we've done the work, but we haven't billed yet. But they, they showed some pretty alarming statistics on how much money uh, is being kind of squirreled away and something that isn't bearing interest, isn't even in your own account. And I think that's you know, especially in recessionary times, something that everybody needs to be aware of, you know, got to build quickly and uh, get that out the door as fast as you can. So mm -hmm. I don't know, uh, you guys are talking about uh, marketing uh, genius, but I think that's one of the greatest marketing uh, ploys out there. It's a free report that they give out and the information is tremendous. So. Yeah. So lockup thing, by the way, for anyone wondering what that is, is you could be the money that you've earned by doing your legal work, but you've not written a bill for yet is half of it. And the other half is you've sent the bill and your deadbeat client hasn't paid it yet. Uh, <laughs> and what they've managed to work out is the amount of time on average, both of those, both of those are happening to attorneys. And it's alarming because you're looking at situations where like three months after the fact, you've not been paid for the stuff that you've done. And they endeavor with the product armed with this data to come up with a way in which you can cut that down considerably. Uh, but that's what this lockup thing is. It, I, my takeaway on it was just I was annoyed when I saw it because I was like, why haven't we been measuring this for years? Like, this seems like the most logical thing to be measuring. But yeah, same. I saw the slide during the keynote and I was like, how have we never talked about lockup yeah. before? Why is this a new term that we're all like, wow? To me, what was the, the sort of the standout number was just that it's getting better. I mean, when, if you're at 2016, yeah. the first year they did the Clio, uh, the trends report. Jack got up and dropped this bombshell of the fact that the data shows that lawyers are basically billing like two hours out of their workday or something like that. Yeah. 2.3, yeah. whatever it was. I forget the number. And, and you know, I think if you ask most lawyers, they're like, oh, yeah, I'm billing six hours, eight hours. I don't know. And, and I think you could hear this hush come over the room when he said that that year. And, and the data this year, and they've been tracking it now every year, shows that overall the picture is getting better. And that, in fact, the, the, the uh, pandemic actually helped drive greater profitability among small law firms and probably in part because they're all using technology yeah. more. Well, no, and I thought that was interesting. I was just speaking to Joshua Lennon right before this, who is largely involved with, you know, the legal trends report. And he was saying in the past they would compare till the prior year. And this is really the first year they looked back in the full eight years they've been doing it to see the bigger trends that way. And I thought that was really interesting. He said they want to do more of that and expand that more, but it really is an interesting picture, like, because we're now, you know, seeing impacts of the pandemic, like, not that the pandemic is ever ending, but, you know, we're far enough into it that we can look back and actually not just, we feel like this was different, but look at the numbers. I thought all that was interesting. I thought that the, there was a presentation that kind of talked about the billing and uh, the lockup. The other side of lockup is that one argument that was being made was that there's a kind of a cycle that you go through as a lawyer and your relationship with your client, and that is at its peak right when you have won their matter. Uh, oh, however, yeah. if that happens, they love you, they think you're great, and then as time goes on, uh, they start thinking, well, was it really all that great, or I'm a little annoyed with my lawyer, uh, and the, the key is, thing. Yeah. The, the, yeah, Funberg, yeah. Yeah, the key is uh, you should be billing them when they like you uh, and not screwing around for not, for three months till they've decided that they hate you. Yeah, they'll be much quicker to pay your bill when they're at the peak of yeah. hype about you. <laughs> when they go back to the the normal baseline feeling people have about lawyers yeah. of hating them. I was really happy to see him talking about Jay Foonberg. I used to know Jay Foonberg, and I, my, but way back when I started my first law practice, the first thing I did was go out and get Jay's book, How to Start and Run a Law Practice. Oh, wow. And I later, when I got to know Jay, gave him my little dog-eared copy of the book, and he, <laughs> 
signed it. Yo, he's the only guest I've ever booked that uh, we had to book through fax. <laughs> no, I'm serious. He made, yeah, but he wouldn't do it via email. He wouldn't do it via call. He said, can you just fax this to me with the time and date and everything? And I had to walk around the Legal Talk Network studios looking for a fax machine. I wasn't sure we had. So, yeah, yeah it was crazy. But uh, no. still, He's still alive. Right? <laughs> the fax machine is the one piece of technology that completely missed me. I basically never needed one. And then by the time I needed to understand how to use one, we had moved past it. It was, it was oh, great. Lucky you. It was also the hardest piece of technology in a law firm to use. You always right. said you had to put in uh, a, a phone number and pound signs and billing and matters. And, and they're always in different orders. And nobody, there was like one person per floor, some amazing legal assistant that knew how to work the fax machine because nobody could get it to work. Or you'd come in the next morning and there'd be like pages all over the floor. And you'd have yeah. to put them back that it's been spewed out of the machine over yeah. and you got to like oh. assemble them in some order. So yeah, some, some <laughs> technology can be left in the past. Yeah. All right. Well... I just I think we would be remiss if we didn't hit on their focus on some of the social justice issues. Oh, yes. You know, they had Brian Banks speaking, who is an exoneree from the California Innocence Project, who was wrongfully um, convicted. And it's almost like, but, you know, it's interesting. You speak about California and innocence. It's almost like the Legal Talk Network has a podcast that's dedicated to this issue. That well, That is true. Thank you. They? Thank you oh, for that uh, huh. plug there, Joe. Yeah. I really yeah. appreciate that. And I mean, I wasn't even purposely doing it as a plug. I actually really care. Um, and they'll also... Shaka Sangor was here. I mean, they're doing a lot of. I, I mean, I love that. If you went, to, if you saw the Reisman Awards, a lot mm. of the winners of those are really doing like local, community, grassroots kind of work. And I feel like there is just is a whole. There's a whole sentiment at this conference of people doing good and people really caring about doing good. And I just find that refreshing. It's not just about the tech and billing and revenues. Every time I talk to Michael Savanchuk or hear Michael Savanchuk or listen to the podcast that he does formerly of California Innocence Project, now of the Innocence Project, Innocence Innocence Center. Center. Yeah. I I think, what the heck have I done with my life? (laughs) No, it is amazing. They do tremendous work. Uh, They recently gave us an opportunity to cover uh, an actual, like, exoneration. So we went down to the day that uh, Gerardo Cabanillas was exonerated. It was really touching. His whole family showed up and friends. And this poor man spent 28 years behind bars for a crime he didn't commit. But I thought... One of the things that was so galling in his case was even after they had DNA evidence to prove he could not have been the perpetrator of this multiple series of crimes, mm-hmm. it still took four years to get him out of prison, you know? And it's, like you said, a testament to their patience and just grit to like yeah. constantly have to bring bad news to a client who's going through the worst days of their yeah. life yeah. You know, behind bars. It's just amazing. But, but then but then to be able to bring that one piece of good news. Oh, I know. Yeah. It's like so amazing. It must oh. be so amazing. And not to further plug your other podcast, but the first episode, the Uriah Courtney, I was listening to it and I was on the subway in New York and just literally started crying hearing him tell his story, especially to the part where he said they walked in and I thought it was terrible news and I found out it was good news. Like, it's like the, the work I agree with. You. Sometimes I'm like, what am I doing with my life? Yeah. Like, I, I just wanted to make sure we mentioned that part of the conference because it's been yeah. great. That's true. Well, and I'll say this. I mean, if, if there's some lawyers out there that are really good at tax law, and there's lawyers that are really good at other things that are not, you know, criminal defense or helping. Uh, yeah. get, these innocence projects are in all 50 states yeah. and they need help. And it's not just about the criminal stuff, the criminal law side. They need help raising money. They need help uh, filing. They need uh, money donations. And so if you can't help in your legal career, you can help them in other ways. And I would suggest if anybody wants to reach out to your local innocence projects it's a great cause and they're really beginning to change that fabric um, in the criminal justice system that had so many people slipping through the cracks yeah 
Cool. What's the name of the, your, uh, your Well, podcast? that's the interesting thing. So it was uh, <laughs> formerly known as the California Innocence Project, but we do have to change the name. And so right now we're rebooting for uh, season two. And but we're, if someone subscribes to it on their podcast service of choice, yes. they can... Uh, yes. If, if you subscribe right now, it is listed as California Innocence Project Podcast. And you can subscribe there. And then when we change the name, you'll already be dialed in. All right. Well, thanks for everybody for indulging us on this episode where we did not talk about any... Um, lawyers with their pants down or anything like we usually talk about on this show. There was no Clarence Thomas uh, scandal or anything. So uh, it was a different kind of show, but hopefully it was an informative one. It's been fun chatting with my other podcast guests. Uh, so Stephanie Wilkins and Bob Ambrogi, Lawrence Coletti, who I isn't on my other show, but uh, I, you know, longtime listeners know he used to uh, be the producer of this show too. So you've probably heard his voice before. Uh, Thanks for listening. You should subscribe to the show, get new episodes when they come out. You should leave reviews, put stars, write things. All of it helps. You should be following the other Legal Talk Network shows. Follow the caption show, The Jabot. Uh, we're guests on the Legal Talk Week Journalist Roundtable, as we said. Uh, you should be following social medias and uh, all of that. So talk to you later. If you're a lawyer running a solo or small firm and you're looking for other lawyers to talk through issues you're currently facing in your practice, join the Unbillable Hours Community Roundtable, a free virtual event on the third Thursday of every month. Lawyers from all over the country come together and meet with me, lawyer and law firm management consultant Christopher T. Anderson, to discuss best practices on topics such as marketing, client acquisition, hiring and firing, and time management. The conversation is free to join, but requires a simple reservation. The link to RSVP can be found on the Unbillable Hour page at LegalTalkNetwork.com. We'll see you there.